Hey podcast, today we have a special edition for you. Why is that? Because I'm handing over the keys to guest host. The guest host is Ben Mule, a Living Sport Advisory Board member and program mentor who has spent years working as a sport business professional in the collegiate and minor league baseball industries. For Ben's first Living Sport podcast hosting gig, he chose to take it to the next level and record Living Sport's first international guest. In this episode, Ben chats with his former colleague and close friend, Kate Ormy from Perth, Australia. Kate is currently the digital and social media producer with the West Coast Eagles Australian football team. We'll dig into exactly what the sport of Australian football is and how Kate made a career out of it in more ways than one. We have a great episode for you, but we can't ignore the terrible bushfire crisis that Australia is currently going through. These fires have burned more than 17 million acres of land affecting more than 2,000 homes. If you are able, we encourage you to please support Kate and millions of other Australians by making a donation to the Red Cross Disaster Relief of Australia at redcross.org.au. That's redcross.org.au. Are we ready to learn more about Kate and the makeup of sport in Australia? Then let's take it away. My name is Ben Mule, and I will be your guest host for this episode of the podcast. As a quick introduction, I spent eight plus years working in sponsorships for minor league baseball teams, the Mountain West Conference based in Colorado Springs, and my University of Maryland Terrapins. I now work in tech in Baltimore, where I also do a little bit of social media marketing, and I am a member of Living Sports Advisory Board, where I try to help out Alicia and John and the rest of the Living Sports fam however I can. I've been fortunate enough to help lead Living Sport trips to London the last two years for the Royal Windsor Triathlon, as well as head to Dublin, Ireland this past summer to help with the Tough Mudder there. Today we have a special episode in store for you from my trip to Perth, Australia back in October. There I interviewed Kate Orn, the digital and social media producer for the West Coast Eagles of the Australian Rules Football League. Kate has some great insight on working in social media for you guys, as well as advice on how you can succeed in the sports industry. On a quick note, We had to tape the episode actually in an airport, so there's a little bit of background noise on occasion. Hope you don't mind. Now, let's get to it. Thanks for having me, Ben. Good day to everybody listening. Nice. Yes, of course. Good day. Good day, mates. (laughs) So, certainly, certainly. So, Kate, we wanted to have you on because you are, of course, a very experienced sports professional in the social media and communication spheres. But you also are a bit of a world traveler. Uh, You've been to six of the seven continents. Where haven't you been? I haven't been to Africa yet, so I'll have to tick that one off soon. Really? That's, I thought that would be like a gimme. Usually Antarctica is the hardest one, so interesting. Yeah, a bit of an anomaly, but I got that one done in uh, 2011. Um, Okay. So, yeah. What took you there? Uh, I studied abroad in Chile, and uh, most of the trips to Antarctica leave out of a southern city of Chile, right at the bottom of the continent. Uh, and I was lucky enough to just jag a spot on one of the trips in early December. So, I loved it. Yeah, why not? Go on down and uh, hang out with some penguins. So, um, exactly right. And you are fluent in Spanish, is that correct? That's why you were over in Chile. Yeah, so I studied abroad there as part of my degree. So I did two semesters um, at a university in Chile. Um, the second semester, my grades were much better than the first. Um, okay. I but I learned, yeah, but I learned a lot. Um, it was a terrific experience. And um, yeah, I mean, some of the skills that I learned there, I, I use every day. Nice, nice. So the other reason that we wanted to have you on is you are a person that when you have a goal, you go at it, you know, full bore. 
currently training pretty much nonstop for the upcoming uh, women's AFL draft. So tell us a little bit about Australian rules football. Um, you know, is it is it like American football? Is it like soccer? Is it like rugby? Yeah, well, uh, Australian rules football, uh, it's, it's a really exciting sport, but it's different to probably every sport that exists. So um, the field is huge, and there are 18 players on each side. So it's a big wow. oval, oval-shaped kind of grass field. The ball shape is kind of similar to that of rugby, um, but you can move the ball by hand or by foot. And the object of the game is to kick goals between two upright posts at either end of the field. And those goals are valued at six points. So the scores of a typical game are kind of like the scores of an NBA game, you know, anywhere between kind of 70 and maybe 130. But predominantly you move the ball by foot so there's a lot of kicking there's a lot of tackling as well so it's a contest sport so that Mm -hmm. has a similar element maybe to rugby um but there's a lot of scoring which makes it quite an exciting game so it's not like soccer or like baseball in terms of having maybe two or three highlights per game there's usually maybe eight or nine highlights per quarter and um a sport played in quarters obviously means there's four of them uh and you average the women's game is usually about 80 minutes or just short of 80 minutes and the men's game is about 120 minutes um yeah so it's so it's a long it's a long slog for a game but uh, it's pretty unique and it's super popular in australia so yeah i was gonna say that's that's more or less the uh the most popular sport there uh down under that's right yeah so uh the afl which is the australian football league which is the competition um, my club is in uh Mm -hmm. there are 18 teams across the country um and i guess the biggest thing about an australian sport is that the population is quite small so australia has a population of 25 million which is like half of california or less than half of california so that the scale is much different um but about five percent of the nation's population holds a membership um which is like our equivalent of a partial season ticket holder or a full season ticket holder so the game's really really popular so you currently play for a team over there in the Perth area, Western Australia. Is that correct? Yeah. So I'm playing, I play state league football at the moment um, and loving every second of it. I play for a team called Claremont um, and they're based in Perth. Um, but the women's games kind of exploded and the national game um, at, oh, at that level, it's called the AFLW, so I guess a bit similar to the WNBA, where um, most of the league teams in the men's competition are getting female licenses as well. So our club is just about to get one for the 2020 season, um, and my name's in the draft. So the draft's next week. I'm a bit nervous and probably mentally preparing to not get picked, um, but I guess it's exciting. So. Yeah, we'll all be rooting for you uh, for that that big news. And, you know, of course, if you don't get picked, we'll just scrub this whole part of the episode so no one will ever know about your failures. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be nice. Thank you for that. Hey, guys, amazing news. So Kate actually ended up getting drafted in the fourth round, 70th overall by the West Coast Eagles Football Club. That means she'll continue working within the organization and now begin playing for the team. How amazing is that? Congratulations, Kate. So, like I said, that's a great lead into why you work in the sports industry in general. Um, yeah, so why sports, Kate? Um, well, growing up, like as a kid through school, I loved playing sport. I loved being involved in, in teams, you know, like there's nothing like um, winning a competition or winning a championship or what have you with your friends. So, I guess once it was time to transition into professional life, I was searching for um, teamwork as probably one of my main strengths as an individual, um, but one of my main passions as well. Um, I think it's always more satisfying to get things done in a group rather than just off on your own as an individual. But there are a few other reasons I love working in sports. Um, And this podcast, I guess, gave me kind of pause to think about them. Um, So a couple of the reasons that I love sports is that, like, your main goal is to win, whether it's, you know, like the championship or um, a league season or a big title, whatever it is, like, your main goal is to win. So you're not working for a a company that just cares about the bottom line. Um, And everyone in your organization is there for the same reason. So you're there to help get a win. Um, Mm -hmm. 
probably the other thing that I love about sports is how big they are as part of our culture. So um, like modern Western culture, you know, there's nothing more powerful than um, a huge athlete. Like you think of, um, I guess, just the influence that, that our athletes have on society. So um, I think sports are really important as a vehicle for social change. So Absolutely. whether that's whether that's like you know like looking at past examples like a Jackie Robinson um, in Australia we often talk about Aboriginal athletes um, and their role in our society or you know female athletes in probably the last I don't know like 50 to 70 years I guess but the journey that female athletes and female sport is on I think is really powerful as a reflection of um, where our society values women as well Um, and I, I think that you know, huge developments are made within our culture because the individuals that we glorify are individuals. Um, and, you know, they're people too. You know, they bleed, they hurt, they stress, they worry about things, they perform, they fail, just the same as we do. Um, yeah, it's a representative of, uh, um, you know, our daily lives in the athletic form. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the highs and lows, and they're so real. Um, and they're presented... Uh, each day um, and you know just the the way you know s- sport reflects real life um, so you know you've got to train you've got to prepare you've got to work hard sometimes you do get the result um, and sometimes you don't um, life's not always fair and sports are not always fair as well um, but you know you don't have to look far for examples of how important sport is to culture so whether mm-hmm. that's a, a protest in the national anthem or um one of the big things in Australian culture for sports is that you'll wear a black armband. If teams lost somebody close to them, you know, they'll, they'll wear that on their sleeve and there's a physical representation of that loss and what that means to that group of people. Um, So I I think that's something really attractive to sport and, and something that probably, I guess, um, you know, the commercial world just doesn't quite have that level of emotion or level of, um, publicity is not quite the right word but you know you've got a stage in sports because people are interested it's and kinda, it's a really it's, it's a really good opportunity to share your message yeah speaking of uh, sharing you are a social media expert talk a little bit about that and how you kind of got into to social media and communications um, in, in the sports world well originally I just went to high school, did normal normal things at high school. Um, and then when I went to study at university, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. Um, so I picked a double degree, which was a degree in communications and a degree in international studies. Um, that was a five-year degree. So I figured that in that five years um, – I'd be able to figure out something that I was going to like within within that spectrum. Right. Eventually. Um, yeah, that's right. Um, so I, I'd always um, I'd been a bit, oh, like I guess I like to read and I like to talk, um, which helps. Um, but I was really interested in the kind of strategic side of communication. Um, but when I was at university, I mean, digital everything has always been huge. I think in our generation. Um, but social media was taking off. Um, and, you know, the early adapters were our generation. So um, you had people who were in managerial roles, like I guess maybe between our parents' age or a bit younger who were looking at experts and just the way, you know, you get your kid to fix your iPad or you like parents get their or grandparents get their, you know, grandkids to fix their VCR or fix their air conditioning or whatever. It seemed like a natural fit for me to kind of be involved in, in um, new technology and I guess social media um, as an extension of that. Um, but I wanted to I wanted to work in sport as well. So I did an internship with um, the Sydney baseball team. They're called the Sydney Blue Sox. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of was the start of what was going on for me um, and how I started, I guess, my career. But um, that wouldn't be too dissimilar to probably anyone listening. Like if, if you want to get involved, like an internship's kind of a natural right, first yeah. step. I mean, starting early in your college years uh, with internships and, and trying to figure out what you like and what you don't like uh, is very important. Um, if you don't mind, tell, tell us a little bit about what it's like running a business account um, compared to a personal account. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. And um, 
I think there's probably a couple of, not a couple of answers, but the answers in a few pieces. But as much as possible, um, I think what brands want to do is to establish themselves as people. So you don't want there to be a, a giant difference between personal communication and communication you receive from a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also like a natural limit. So um, as a brand, you know, you, you don't represent just I don't represent just Kate Orm. I, I represent the his, history of the organization. Um, I represent the CEO. I represent our head coach. Um, I represent our accounts department. I represent the whole organization. So I guess there is a bit of pressure on that, but um, you all of those people themselves communicate as individuals, and mm-hmm. it's probably just a balance between where your message is. So, uh, you know, you you don't speak to someone if you're having like a heart to heart the same way you would if you're uh, making a speech at a wedding or, um, you know, on the phone with customer service or, you know, talking to a customer at work or what have you. Like there are obviously levels, but um, I think the key is to be relatable, but responsible. Right. Okay. Tell us a little bit about, um, I guess, your goals for the, the various platforms that you have and, and each time you post. Um, what are you looking to accomplish? Oh, that's a that's a big question too. Um, mm-hmm. I guess there's your, your main goal is to get your message across and whether that that is to represent your organization in a particular way, whether that's a call to action to get um, arrive early for a game or to get people to purchase tickets to a game or buy a new hat or... Um, you know, to appreciate the value of one of your players or to um, hear from the coach. The most important thing is engagement, I think, with the audience. You, you have Excellent. to make this, the message as relevant as possible for them. Um, but you, like, I always want the information to be super accessible to our audience because um, if we don't engage with them, they'll get our message from somewhere else. So the best option we have is to give them content that's as accessible as possible. Yeah. 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 So get our message out there. That's really important. But um, I guess sports are a weird one because there are so many players in the game in terms of, you know, you've got broadcasters, you've got uh, media organizations, you've got newspapers, you've got, um, you know, online fan experts, or you've got um, special comments. Like there there are so many players in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just want your message to be the loudest and clearest for your fans, if that okay. makes sense. Yeah, certainly. Rather than them, you know, going to ESPN News or heading to the West Australian, which is, you know, the newspaper we've got over here. Like, um, we want our fans to use us as their news source or their content source. Well, with that in mind, um, you guys had a big signing of Australian footballer Tim Kelly uh, earlier in October here. Uh, take us behind the scenes and what the day in the life of Kate Orm was like on a, a big day like that. Yeah, well, that was a really exciting day. So that was last Wednesday, um, and Tim, Tim was a highly prized recruit, um, but it was also a highly anticipated trade, so it wasn't out of nowhere. Um, but to be involved is, you know, it's, it's really cool and that's the cutting edge of why people would want to be involved in social media. Um, and I often feel like when I wander around next to like a Tim Kelly, my job is basically to represent 500,000 people who mm-hmm. are following the accounts that we run who want to know, you know, what he's doing, who he's talking to, like what, what happens here, what, what goes on next and, you know, what's he like, I guess. Um, but the the my role, I guess, in this instance is is has two parts. So the first part is to publish the produced content that our digital team's already put together. So, you know, our graphics guys have done um, a graphic welcoming him. Um, our web guys have written an article. Um, our video guys might be uploading uh, our highlights uh, reel from his time at Geelong, his former club. Um, so my job is to deliver all that content to our audience. And then my next role is gathering live content. So um, so we went down to meet Tim within our facility. Um, then he's, you know, he's about to go to a press conference. So we'll be there. We'll cover the live press conference. Then he go, he does uh, like a big photo op. Then he'll have ch- like chats with any of the players that are in the gym or, you know, he might meet a few people that, and I'll cover all of that live. Um and then, you know, the next part is that our videographer would have made a video of the press conference. Um, 
the we'll receive the photos of, of the professional photographer who's taken the shots, and so then we'll recirculate that content content as well. So, okay. um, I I guess yeah, the role is two part in terms of publishing content not created by myself, and then going and sourcing my own content as well. Right. Um, okay, then what about on a typical match day? Um, the schedule is, is a little bit similar to the NFL where you play once a week or you're, you're on the road or at home there in uh, Optus Stadium. Um, what's a, a typical match day like for you? Yeah, well, um, that's a good question. And you kind of touched on it as well. So I guess for us, a match day isn't just one day is one day's experience. It's it's the it's the pinnacle of the whole week. So you know through the week there's the build up of you know what's gonna what's gonna happen, who's gonna be selected, is there somebody out with injury, what team are we playing, all of that build up um, comes with preparation um, for match day itself. Um, but um, in talking about just the day, like we'll have hype pieces in the morning that I'll publish, but we will have prepared through the week. Um, and then after that, I usually get to the ground three hours before bounce down. Um, mm-hmm. Bounce down's a great little Australian termination or term, term for um, what we call, I guess, the start of the game. So the umpire bounces the ball in the middle of the field, and that's that's why it's called bounce down, as opposed to, I guess, kickoff. Makes sense. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Um, and usually my role for that three hours plus is to cover, you know, the venue, whether we're playing at a new stadium, whether we're back at home, you know, fans arriving, a couple of match day promotions, that sort of thing. Um, and then once a pl- the players arrive, which is usually about two hours out, I basically just follow them. Um, in their kind of pregame journey. So whether that's, you know, being taped, warming up, chatting with coaches, um, the actual warm-up itself, um, pretty much all the way right onto the field, I'm with them and I'm just covering their their every move live. So on all of your channels, they're purpose-built for live communication during an event. So stuff like Instagram stories, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook to an extent. It's a bit slower, Facebook, but still super important just from the audience size that that we have on that platform. Um, And then I guess you probably move straight into the kind of live coverage of the game. Um, And, you know, your whole audience is engaged for that match period. Um, But what I'm trying to do is... Um, add slices of what they can't get. So if you're either in the stadium or watching on TV, you probably don't get access to what it's like in the rooms and, who, you know, see who's getting um, like their calves rubbed at time or um, just I'll try and take our audience behind the scenes or add something to their experience. It's like whether that's stats or images, video, um, I just want to complement the experience they're already having by watching the game mm-hmm. um, to let to let them know what's going on to bring them even closer into the club. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, like once you, you, I guess you talk move to like a post game kind of coverage, um, and that's everything. Well, this is I guess where it gets really interesting because you could have been belted, you you could have had a huge win. Um, you just don't know <laughs> when you wake up on match day what it's going to be like. Um, but you have to be prepared for pretty much all scenarios. So whether your priority is to get the coach's reaction to um, to the match itself, like whether you've got to cover significant injury news, um, whether there's like a league issue, like a suspension for a player or um, any kind of general highlights, like if a player kicks 10 goals, like obviously that's really significant, something right. to cover, um, something to focus on. Um and post-game, probably the other thing that occurs as well is all the other departments in our communications team, they'll have content ready to go for me as well. So whether that's score graphics or stats graphics, um, little video animations, post-game interviews, um, uh, analysis pieces or match reports, merchandise promotions. Um, I've also, my responsibility is also to, to deliver all of that content mm-hmm. um, post-game, which is... I guess a pretty significant part of you know the post game wrap. So once everyone's finished watching the game itself, um, some fans will want to see photos. Some fans will want an in depth analysis from an expert. Um, pretty much all fans will want a highlight reel. Right. Um, but yeah, like I guess it's just balancing all that content to deliver all of that again to complement the fans' experience of the game. Okay. Um, 
How about fill us in on some of the, I guess, your favorite social media promotions, um, either yours or, or just ones that you've seen in, in sports in general, uh, some that, that may have stuck out. Oh, this is a tough one as well. I mean, there are so many. Um, probably my personal preference would be more of like a substance um, over style kind of approach. So, um, you know, there are a lot of gimmicks out there, whether you're having like a um, – whether you've got a Snapchat filter or whether you've got like a location tag or, you know, like there are so many things that are like the small features that teams can introduce and do whatever. There are a thousand options um, in that space and so many terrific promotions that you can execute. Um, and, and probably, you know, you're only as good as your last gimmick really, but um, probably from my perspective, it's more about, I guess, the body of work that you produce. So, um, you know, how do you present your players? What's the brand that your organization is going for? And you pro- I probably look back toward more PR-related goals. Um, the team I work for is quite a conservative organization, and they're a really powerful club within the market. So typically they don't – they're not a challenger brand, I guess, so they don't need to push and push the boundaries. So from our perspective – it's more about um, managing the level of, of attention that we get rather than vying for attention by doing something really outlandish. Okay. Um, um, it's probably more, more, more about a genuine connection and um, portraying yourself as a, a genuine organization rather than, I don't know, coming up with cool promotions, which is like such a lame answer if you're looking for no, no, a no. really cool thing that Australians do. As, as, the, as the expert um, here, what, do you have a couple of accounts that you really like what they do and what they produce? Um, just you can rattle off maybe a couple of those. Um, then our, our, our listeners here can kind of check them out and get an idea of what you're talking about. Obviously, the, uh, the West Coast Eagles Instagram page, which is just West Coast Eagles, you know, everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody in. over there will be – they'll be pumped about that. Um, <laughs> some of the some of the accounts I really – well, most of the accounts I really like are from the U.S. So um, I really like everything that um, – Ohio State does. I think their artwork team does a really good job. Um, I really like the San Jose Sharks in the NHL, which is a bit of a random one, but I like how they go about it. Um, Who else do I like? Uh, San Francisco Giants, they're really good. Um, They're super innovative, I guess, as you would as you would predict coming out of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I'm flagging now, but. it's so much about personal preference as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think MLB does a really good job of how they they cut their audience as well. So they um, they have like their generic Major League Baseball accounts, but then they'll have um, like they've got another account called Cut Four, which mm-hmm. um, is a bit excellent more follow. informal. Yeah, excellent follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it's a lighter look um it's less formal it's less traditional you know you you won't have as many people um complaining they're there for a bit of a laugh and for some um mm-hmm. some enjoyable content to digest as part of the baseball season because um, yeah it doesn't have to always be serious yeah major league baseball has been a leader in the tech space not just in sports so long but in media for a really long time now a lot of the the behind the scenes stuff they do really extends um, to all the other leagues and in, in, in media channels as well. So they, they do an excellent job. Okay. So, you, you know, you got your favorites uh, there, but social media obviously can have a, a little bit of another side, a darker side to it, but uh, you got any social media flops um, or I guess mistakes that you, you've learned from over the years? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I'm a human being and I've, I've made mistakes all the way along, you know, um, and most people have in their roles. Um, being in social media is a bit different because your role is so public, so everything's a bit more high risk. Um, so pretty much outside of the players on live telecast and maybe our um, CEO in a press conference, uh, my role is probably the most at risk in terms of making a public mistake, which is a pretty big responsibility to take on if you're thinking about about a career in, in that space. Um, you know, you definitely need to have a thick skin, but 
you also need to counter that with really good justification for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think every week I read comments that suggest I should be fired or that (laughs) my whole social, yeah, or that my whole social media team should be fired of which, I mean, I'm a team of one. So it'd be easy to let those other guys in the team go, but I'd like to just hang on myself. Um, You know, people suggest every week that your coach should get fired, that your players should be delisted, that your club should be like relegated from, from the league. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes, as you said, like it really is a bit of a dark space or, you know, I always think of it as kind of being like an episode of the Jerry Springer show. Mm -hmm. um, There's a lot of yelling um, and not a lot of rational sport and certainly not a lot of listening to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And being involved in sport as well, there's so much emotion. So people are so charged up, whether you win, whether you lose, um, and whether that's about being a good sport or a bad sport. as a professional, you definitely have to separate yourself from what people are saying because there are so many overreactions. Um, but, you know, in, in, in the same space, like I've made mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. And, and that ranges from, you know, as little things as, or as such small things as, you know, publishing the wrong link or um, typos or um, not attaching an image, which is like central to a tweet or what have you. Um, and the role does come with risks, but the exciting part of the role is the speed probably of things that happen. So it is really exciting, but you know, if you're cooking with gas, you're going to get burned sometimes. Um, so I guess you just have to be, be wary of that. Um, and from what I know, you know, I haven't killed anybody yet. Okay. That's good to hear. So shifting topics a little bit, um, for the West coast Eagles, uh, you worked for the Lehigh Valley iron pigs um, back in 2012. Um, could you give us a little bit on, um, American sports that are, that are popular over in Australia and, um, you know, what your favorite teams, favorite sports are. Yeah, well, I'll have to pull you up there, Ben, just like a typical troll would in the comments. I actually worked for the Pigs in 2013, um, but it was one of the best experiences of my life, and I still look back on it with such fond memories, and I learned so much over there. Um, and I think it, it's definitely critical to how I how I am today and what kind of professional I am today. Um yeah, I worked in baseball before that in Australia. And baseball in Australia is probably like a fourth or fifth string sport. Mm-hmm. So it's not super popular. Um, so something that you got involved in very early, right? Or yeah, new? yeah. The um, the baseball league was basically changed and turned around in 2010, I think, um, and was renamed the Australian Baseball League uh, and then receives – significant funding oh excuse me received significant funding from major league baseball mm-hmm. um and major league baseball owns 75 percent of the product over here um which is a pretty big chunk of the pie um and it meant that, that there were two actually two other american interns um based at the team i was in in sydney um mm-hmm. And one of their biggest suggestions to me was, you know, Kate, if you like this gig, um, if you like baseball, you should try and get a, a job over over in the states. You know, where it's where it's the main game. Mm-hmm. It's hugely appealing. Um, so, you know, I did a Skype interview with John Schaefer after submitting my resume, and um, yeah, I guess really lucked out and got the gig. Um, but it was such an incredible experience to work in the big show, biggest show in town, um, where. By comparison, you know, baseball in Australia is just not that big a deal. Um, it, working in baseball in the states, it's what everybody wants to know about. So, um, yeah, between that and you know, American football are probably one and two in sports. With the NBA, the college sports, uh, football and basketball are definitely probably next, and then uh, then hockey. Sorry, hockey fans, but uh, that's that's kind of where you you rank. As far as moving to the U.S., just tell us a little bit about that and, and that kind of culture change that you may have uh, may have seen, may have had to endure. Yeah, well, the um, probably the, the biggest well, oh, well, the biggest reason I was so interested was because I'd already lived overseas before. So through university, as as we touched on, I lived in Chile, oh. and I, I knew what a great experience it was to live abroad, and that was a huge reason I pursued this opportunity. Um, in the Lehigh Valley so actively. Um, um, yeah, the biggest thing that I had to deal with 
was the weather. That I just couldn't believe how cold it was and that we were playing baseball. Yeah, like, I never even wore a jacket um, in Australia. Did you own jackets in Australia? I think we own them from a trendy kind of, you know, wannabe cool perspective, but... Yeah, just for the look. It's they're all for show. They're not really functional. You can wear them. You can wear them maybe three months of the year at night. <laughs> Quite different. I remember my very first college baseball game um, was in February, and it was snowing. So yeah, baseball in the states, uh, hot, cold, doesn't matter. We're out there. So your role with the pigs was uh, social media based, but um, you got a little TV time. Tell us about that. How that came about. Yeah, well, that was definitely a, a bit of an anomaly. But um, once I got over to the States and everyone, you know, started chatting to me and I was introduced to everybody, they were like, oh, you're from Australia. Okay, cool. You speak funny, even cooler. Um, and the guys who broadcast our games, a company called Service Electric, um, decided that I'd have a little slice of the pregame show, which yeah. was so hilarious um, because I have no qualification in TV whatsoever. <laughs> but, you know, you just I guess you just saddle up and give it a crack. Right place, right um, time. Exa- right place, right time, right accent. So yes. I just I just slid in there as you would straight into your DMs, and I had a spot on the pregame show every home game, mm-hmm. which was like, and sometimes they would broadcast live, which you know that'd make my hands kind of clammy. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it was a really good learning experience, um, and it was probably just one of a myriad experiences as an intern that you uh, like kind of land on your desk and you think, can I do this? I don't know, but you get it done and you kind of look back and you go, okay, yeah, that wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be, or I didn't make as many mistakes as I thought I was going to. Um, so it's being an intern, you know, you just get anything and everything thrown at you. So speaking of right place, right time, I remembered at the stadium every now and then we'd have a couple of uh, visiting fans uh, in from Australia and, you know, they'd be like, oh, you got to meet Kate. Yeah, well, Allentown, Pennsylvania, a.k.a. the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, the pig's universe. I mean, as, yeah, Big. the pig's universe, ba- Bacon, USA. Right. Um, as we've already touched on, you know, like a match day in social media is pretty busy. So I'm flat stick out there from, you know, like um, once the gates open until everyone literally walks right out. I have to pause you right there. You were, you're flat stick. Um, We need a quick, you know, Aussie dictionary definition there. Oh, that just means busy. Okay. I don't don't know where the expression comes from, but it just means busy. So yeah, I'd say I'd exclude the Australianisms, but then everyone else would just be so disappointed. Right. Yeah. Um, so often, like my radio would be blowing up, and people would be like, "Kate, you got to come to this gate. We've found there are two Australians here. Do you know them?" And I'd be like, "Well, hang on a minute. We, there are twenty-five million of us. Like, but maybe I do. So, all right, I'll just leave what I'm doing and I'll go find these Australians. And then, you know, a bit later on in the night, someone else jumps on my radio channel and goes, "Hey." Okay, guess what? We've just found, we've just been over here at the team store at the, at the shop and there are two Australians here. Quick, come and meet them. So every student. So then, all right, I'll leave my stuff again. Off we go, like find these other Australians and chances are they're the exact same Australians that I met half an hour ago. And then, you know, like might be bottom of the seventh and someone's at the bar and somebody else jumps on the radio and be like, uh, calling Kate, like we've just found these two, there's two Australians at the bar, like quick, you got to come and meet them. And by that time I was pissed that there were so many Australians in the ballpark, but also everybody else is pissed because they've realized I've already met these Australians twice today. And the Australians are particularly annoyed because they were like this one particular weird Australian won't stop hassling me. I'm just trying to have fun at the ballpark. Right. Right. They're just having a good time. And yeah, you got can't get away from yeah. them. So. Yeah, so I was like this pet that they would just send to meet other Australians, which I didn't, I didn't mind most of the time, um, but it was pretty good. Yeah, it's, everyone, it's, everyone, it's a long way away. We want to make sure you uh, you were comfortable and uh, you, you didn't feel like you were lonely. Yeah, yeah. So. 
Yeah, well, correct. I'd just go over there and then everyone would lose their mind because then there'd be three Australian accents all going at it at once, all saying stuff that nobody understands. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, people's minds were just exploding in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. So while you were also over here in the States, you went down and saw a South Carolina football game, college football game. Uh, tell us a little bit about that experience and kind of, you know, how that may be similar or different to the, the Aussie sport experience well the biggest difference is tailgating (laughs) that i am all about yeah um and i already had a little bit of an understanding about the about the tailgating experience but i didn't really know what i was in for so um my brother and i we rocked up because he had friends at uh that were Gamecocks and they said, okay, well, you need to be there before 9am. And I was like, oh, how good's this? You know, getting ready, like early afternoon game, like this would be great. Having like a little bit of breakfast or brunch together and then head out. And I was so pumped to see, you know, like a day game, couldn't wait, like maybe have a bit of brunch, have a little bit, have a few drinks, you know, maybe some chips and salsa or I don't know, cheese, whatever they do in South Carolina. And so, you know, we start drinking, hanging out by this stage. Like I've had maybe, like I've maybe had a couple of drinks and, you know, feeling pretty pumped, excited. Everyone's in a big mood about it. Um, and then one of the girls says, oh yeah, well after the game, you know, we'll go straight out. And I was like, oh, this is going to be perfect. And then they said, yeah, well, you know, the um, kickoff's at six. And I just went, What? Six. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're going to do we're going to do nine hours of pre gaming before the game. The game only goes for an hour or two hours, and we're going to pre game for nine hours. I was like, sheesh! I've really got to get a handle on what's going on here because I am way out of my league. If I can stay on this level, I'm going to be in bed by four p.m. Let alone. <laughs> be able to make it out to the game for a six o'clock start and then go out after that down. So probably the tailgating, that's the big, oh, that's the biggest difference. Yeah, those uh those C schools, they they do it up for sure. They're they're notorious for their, their tailgating. Um, yeah, and just so much equipment, preparation, food, like oh, I tell you what, if the end of the earth's coming, I wanna be at a tailgate. That's <laughs> where I wanna be. Time, yeah. So shifting a little bit, um, so most of our listeners are college age or young professionals. What led you to, to kind of uh, break into the industry? How did you set yourself apart? Listeners would love to, to know that and learn a little bit about what made you special in, in, in how you were able to secure your positions. Uh, that's a really good question. Um, and I would, I'd probably think it's, a, I guess, a combination of, of things. Like, I had a reasonable resume, but, you know, I wasn't um, I wasn't top of the class uh, at university or anything like that. But mm-hmm. um, it's probably the biggest thing is work rate. So uh, once I got this internship, I was willing to just work my absolute butt off um, to really get a good recommendation. Um, and it was a, it was an unpaid internship, as so many are, but, you know, sports is competitive. People, people want to work in sports, and you just have to be prepared to sacrifice so much, I guess, what would be, you know, all of your peers' salaries. You know, they might luck straight into a graduate position and get a good wage, but in sports, that's really unlikely. Um because there are so many people that just want to work in sports. So the competition is super high. Um, so I definitely, I didn't have a, a proper wage until my fourth season in sports. Um, and that just hanging on for that long is, is probably what, what makes the biggest difference. Um, you know, getting a good reputation with your manager, you know, whoever's leading your internship program, um, and building those relationships with other mentors is just so critical. Um, and it doesn't have to be in your particular, you know, your your area of discipline. They can be outside, um, which for the most part was super critical for me because, you know, not many other people know about social media. Um, and by the time I was on to my second internship, I knew more about social media than anyone else in the business. So what I didn't know, I had to get from everybody else. So, you know, I didn't know how this particular organization ran or what what's the most important part of us as a baseball club making a profit or um, what, impact, what impact can my role have on the bottom line. So looking to educate myself in how I could do a better job and contribute in a more meaningful way to the organization, that was so critical. Um, Just because school's out, um, you know, you always need to still be learning and still be growing as a person. One of my friends has a really good saying, every day is a school day. 
day. Um, <laughs> and I think it's really relevant. So it doesn't matter if you're traveling, um, you're on vacation or, you know, you, you go back to you go back home and you want to go and talk with your grandma. Um, there's always opportunities to learn. Um, and just because you're learning outside of your scope of professionalism, doesn't mean you're not learning and doesn't mean you're not able to apply those lessons later in life. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the big parts of travel, I think, and particularly speaking another language is that you have to put your pride away. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the most important things is you have to be prepared to make mistakes um, and you have to be prepared to learn. So you, you need to approach things, I guess, with an open mind and, um, particularly, you know, for me, g- going to the states and going to a, a new country, a new, a new culture, a new um, team, was that I had to just come with a totally like blank approach. So I'll, all I wanted to do was learn off everybody, mm-hmm. um, and that's probably one of my favorite things about being involved in social media is that it's kind of your responsibility to know exactly what's going on everywhere. So. It doesn't matter whether somebody asks if what kind of cheese is served on the hamburger or the cheeseburgers there or what time the gates open next week or, um, you know, what band is playing pregame or how much are tickets for the championship game in, in three weeks mm-hmm. um, or, you know, or who, who's the starting pitcher or who's going to play shortstop and are there any roster moves coming up? Is somebody injured? You need to be across everything. So you need to be learning off everybody all the time. Um, right. and I think that's probably one of the most well, one of the things that has made or has allowed me to have the experiences I have um, is that I've approached things with an open mind to just try and learn as much as possible okay so speaking of you know learning from other people who were some of your your mentors for for just kind of life in general in in the work environment as well as social media two of my bigger mentors and probably role models would have come from the iron pigs um Mm -hmm. one of them was was a guest earlier in the season um Lindsay Nupp she was a like we worked really closely together because of how much promotion would go on social media um and then the other one was my boss John Schaefer so Mm -hmm. um I knew Schaefer I knew the quality um or like the quality of character Schaefer was because he took a chance on me I emailed my resume from Sydney Australia to him in the Lehigh Valley and I'm sure I went up against so many other people that were easily as qualified as I was um, and probably a lot closer and didn't come with visa complications Um, but to his credit he took a chance on me which is huge uh, and really humbling I think as as an individual Um, so that's definitely the first thing I learned off Shafe was you know there are good things out there and and maybe you have to go a little bit further than um, Pennsylvania to find them I guess he, he taught me so much about how to um, how to interact professionally with other people in the business, you know, what your priorities were. Uh, but I, I think he's found some pretty some pretty green pastures over there in California, which is um, which is really pleasing. So, Kate, what pieces of advice would you like to give to college students or young professionals looking to break into what might be the most important thing for them to learn from you or or need to do to make it in sports? Probably the most important thing is energy. So, you know, you you need to be a high high energy person, but you also need to be able to persevere. You know, seasons are long. The, The hours are demanding. And it's really, it's a marathon to get through. So you have to have a level of ongoing energy as well as energy for each day, um, which, you know, and you can call that enthusiasm or determination or whatever you want, but um, that's probably the most important thing because you can't just throw in the towel halfway through the season because you're tired. And those people don't get other jobs. It really separates, I guess, the best from people who can't work in sports. That's that's probably the, the clearest one. Yeah, energy, energy would be that'd be my biggest one. Okay. Um, so if you, if you do want to get a job in sports, you have to be prepared to really work for it. Okay. Now this is one of our, our kind of last two segments or question of the day. Where Kate, this is your chance to ask our listeners a question that you know has to do with 
the industry or a little bit of self-reflection or personal growth or professional growth. So what, what would you like to ask our living sports listeners? Ooh, this is probably the most challenging part of being on this podcast. Cause it's not talking about myself. Um, but I think it's probably yeah, a question that all the audience members have to ask themselves if they're seriously considering getting a job in, in sports. So you probably got to ask yourself, you know, if, if the pay didn't matter, would you still do the job? Okay, Kate. So we got a speed round of questions to finish this off here on the podcast. Are you ready? I'm ready. Fire away. Okay. What is your favorite app on your phone? Spotify. Are there any neat uh, social media or editing apps out there that you like to use to uh, post content or help you grab content? Um, I use a really good camera app called Halide, which is spelled H-A-L-I-D-E. Um, okay. And it just allows you to adjust a few things within the camera um, to make for better shots. Uh, outside of that, I pretty much use all of the network's major apps. They're just um, more reliable and have fewer glitches, probably. Um, so you mentioned you're a big reader. What are some of your favorite books? Uh, I love nonfiction, um, particularly anything around kind of science mm-hmm. or the environment. Um, and I'm probably in a bit of a you know mindfulness area at the moment, so I don't mind reading about um, you know whether it's you know how to sleep or um, maybe a little bit um, about meditation and how the mind works. But probably science is the big one. All right, all right. What's your favorite trip you've ever been on? Um, I did a trip to Antarctica, which I kind of bragged about earlier, mm-hmm. uh, and that was my favorite trip of all time. Just the stuff we saw just out of this world it was so cool and just so different to any other travel um i've ever done which just made it out of this world i i'm a big fan of the show the deadliest catch mm-hmm. and it was kind of like being on the show but without having to do all of the outdoor dangerous wet weather you know raking in of the pots etc ah, just all the fun i gotcha what is your favorite food that might be uh, unique to Australia? Um, I love Vegemite and avocado on toast, which is just off the charts. Typical um, avocados. Yeah, like be a, more of a millennial, work right. in social media and eat avocados. Right, right. Um, I've got my AirPods in as well. You probably can hear them from mm. where you are. That's how millennial I am. What's your favorite uh, sports memory? Um, in 2018, the team I worked for, the West Coast Eagles, we won the premiership, um, which was just the coolest thing of all time. That's my best memory in sports. Nice, nice. Well, Kate, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Um, I'm sure our listeners learned a lot about Australia, learned a lot about social media. If they wanted to get in touch with you, how might they do that? Uh, well, Ben, I do speak for the entire country. Um, but if you do want to get in touch with me personally, um, you can hit me up on Instagram. My handle's at kdorm44. That's probably the best way to find me. Excellent. Well, thanks for doing this, Kate. Hopefully, uh, Living Sport will be making a trip to Australia sometime in the future, and you can uh, come meet the crew. It sounds pretty good to me. Awesome. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, please hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with your friends. Our goal at Living Sport is to help all young professionals succeed in the sport industry, especially through the Living Sport International Sport Business Program. This program provides students with an opportunity to experience the world through sport. This year, Living Sport will be visiting Dublin, Ireland, London, England, and Athens, Greece. If you're interested to learn more or to apply for a 2020 program, go to livingsport.com. Have a great day, guys.